0: This is the second message in our covenant series, so as you may have gleaned, we are taking monthly chunks throughout the calendar this year to look at different topics, and the topic for this month is covenant. And so Tan drew the first straw last week, and she taught us about covenant. She highlighted two particular covenants, the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant, and taught her way through that, which she is so brilliant at doing. I love the way that Tan's gifting to break down complicated things and make them simple. It's a huge blessing and I'm really grateful for that. Then I got given the second straw, which is covenant relationships, but it had this other little little bit attached to it, with God, Holy Spirit, and each other, if you don't mind. I reckon that could be a year's worth of messages, like, can I be honest? Like that is a big, big topic. So there's a little bit of a caveat this morning because The truth is that there is so much in this space and to try and bring it down into just one message is a challenge in and of itself. I'm actually going to continue to build on what Tan did last week with the Abrahamic covenant and the new covenant and some of the ties between them. It's not to say that the other covenants are not important. They are definitely Um, and also um, specifically want to address that atonement for sin is very real and is not to be ignored. Like I've had to not include it in the detail that perhaps I might have liked to, but we need to acknowledge that it's there. As we focus on relationship, there's, there's so many parts to God, but this is one part of God and it's a really important part and it's a part that is very, very close to my heart. And so I just my prayer today um, as we work through this idea of covenant is that you will see with your mind but also with your heart God's plan for covenant and that you would allow him to bring transformation to your heart and to your relationship with him. I particularly chose this little graphic. Um, To me, this is important, this idea of father and child and the visual of it, of us reaching up into daddy's hand and just this idea of an intimate and close relationship. So let's get into it. I want to declare this morning that we are
1: a covenant people. When was the last time you thought of yourself as a covenant person? I don't know about you, but if someone says covenant
0: people, I think Israel. But the truth is we are a covenant people. And I really feel in my heart, this is something that we need to reclaim as part of our identity in the body of Christ, that we are a covenant people. Because identity frames who we are and what we do. And so for me, this is actually really significant that we take this on as part of our identity, that we are actually a covenant people. So let's have a little bit of a look. Now, Tan went through some of this stuff last week, so we want to build on that. But for me, covenant is such a unique word. Like, who's recently, like apart from last week, used the word covenant in their daily conversation? Where's the one time that we generally maybe use this word? Property, that's actually true. There's another one, though. Particularly in the church, there's another time when we use this word. When is it? Easter. Wow, there's another time, though. Weddings, marriage, yes. That's That's the one I was thinking of anyway. You are right, though, that it does exist legally. So it is a unique word. There's different types of covenants that we see. Looking back historically, so uh, covenants in the time of Abraham in the Old Testament times was really super common just between kings and countries, so like a legal covenant. Then there's covenants between individuals and then sometimes when God is involved in those like a marriage covenant and we tend to call that a sacred covenant. And then there's the covenants between God and his people which for the sake of this exercise I'm calling biblical covenants. And so biblical covenant, we know it to be more than just an agreement or a contract. It's not just a legal deal. It's actually got a relational aspect to it. It's a mixture of law and of love. Biblical covenant is not self-serving, but rather it's for the benefit of the other party. Tim Keller said this, It's a relationship more loving and intimate than merely a legal relationship, yet more binding and enduring and accountable than a merely personal relationship. It's a stunning blend of law and love. It's stunning because it's a personal relationship made more loving and intimate because it's legal through voluntary, mutual, binding promises and vows
1: to be loving and to be faithful no matter the circumstances. That's a covenant. So the interesting thing to me in all of this is as we look at covenant and as we look at
0: particularly these two covenants, God takes exactly the same position in both of them. So Tan walked us through the Abrahamic covenant last week, but I want to delve into it just a little bit more. So in Genesis chapter 15, and I'm not going to go back and reread it all, but there's this moment where God has said to Abraham that he's setting up a covenant. He tells him to go and get the animals, and he tells him to cut the animals and put them in two parts. Now 21st century animal liberationist brains go, what? That's crazy. How can you do that to the poor animals? But Abraham goes, okay, Lord, this is a covenant-making ceremony. I know what this is, and I know what my role is in this. I know that you are the greater party, and I am the lesser party, and that you are coming to me, and you're making covenant with me. And the whole concept of the animal bit is that when the parties of the covenant walk through it, they're committing to, if they break the covenant, then what's going to happen to them is they're going to end up like those animals. That's what it's about. And so Abraham's there. The animals have been split in two and the pathway is there. And then the most extraordinary thing happens. Abraham's waiting for God to say, come on, let's walk through Or, Abraham, you walk through. But Abraham falls into a sleep and God comes down and he walks between the animals. And he says, I take on the responsibility. It'll be me that pays the price for this covenant, not you.
1: Amazing. Does it sound familiar, though? We're at Genesis chapter 15,
0: way back there. And fast forward. 65 books to get to the New Testament. And there's a similar story that happens with the New Covenant. And again, in the New Covenant, God comes down, Jesus comes down into the earth, and he's the one that goes to the cross. And essentially, his body is torn in two as he goes to the cross to pay the price for our sin and become the blood that seals the New Covenant. Absolutely Amazing.
1: And so what we learn, what we learn about God is this, that
0: from beginning to end, Genesis chapter 15 through to the end of Revelation, his heart is for relationship with his people. Such a big, big part of who he is. That he is the initiator of the covenant, not us. There's nothing that we can do. It's him. He initiated it. He made
1: the move towards us. And his character is displayed. We see this incredible
0: picture of relationship that is not just light and fluffy. There's four words for me that I've been working through over and over again.
1: It's humble, it's sacrificial, it's generous, and it's enduring. This is God's picture of love. And it's interesting to me that
0: the context of him revealing the new covenant is out of relationship. Jesus is feasting with those who are closest to him. And again, he starts from a place of humility by washing their feet. How God is such an incredibly amazing, humble God. Like, not leave the grandeur of heaven and come to earth alone. To come to earth and then to serve
1: and to take on a task like washing dirty feet. Absolutely mind-blowing. And then he uses the analogy of marriage to describe what is
0: both at hand and what is to come. So I want to share something with you that I only discovered probably about five years ago. This is an extract. We don't have time to go into the full thing in every single step. But there is some keys to understanding what Jesus shared with his disciples in those hours before he died, that just like Abraham and the animals, and we go, ooh, we read these passages and we kind of get it, but for the disciples sitting at the table with Jesus, reclining at the table with Jesus, they knew exactly what he was saying. In their culture, in their context, they understood it. And it meant more than we could understand. So let's have a quick look at this. Now, we're going to go one by one. Now, as I said, this is an extract. There is more to this, but I've just picked out some key parts to it. So the first step in the Jewish wedding process is the betrothal or the establishment of the actual covenant. The young man presents the proposal to the bride's father first. And then the young man would pour a glass of wine for the woman and if she drank it, it would indicate her acceptance of the proposal. So there is a role of the cup of wine in the marriage covenant, in that proposal. And so when Jesus says that this is the cup, drink from it, my blood of the covenant which is poured
1: out for you, that's the beginning of the imagery of the role of wine. The second step is that the bridal chamber
0: is prepared. And I actually probably shouldn't call it the second step. It's another step. The preparation of the bridal chamber. And so the son returns to his father's house and prepares the bridal chamber. And hopefully all of you are going, tweak, tweak, tweak. I remember Jesus saying something like that. That in my my father's house has many rooms. If it was not so, I would have
1: told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The bride is fetched. So the proposal is made, the groom leaves.
0: The bride doesn't know when he's coming back. It's not up to her when he does. But there is a time that's appointed by the groom's father at which he will come back and retrieve his bride. Matthew 25 talks about the parable of the ten versions. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. And even the end of the John reference And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you might be where I am. And then the last one we're going to look at is the actual ceremony, wedding ceremony. And the cup comes back, the wedding cup, and that both the bride and the groom drink from it. And so there's this sense of Jesus saying when he says that I'm not going to drink from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you in my kingdom. It again, it's that imagery of the groom coming back and drinking the cup of the wine. And so it's extraordinary to me that yet again there's this relational component to the covenant that Jesus is expressing. It's not just here's the covenant, here's the legal part. It's the relational part. It's the heart part. It's the, the model and the, the vehicle that he chooses to use in order to
1: demonstrate or create an image of the covenant. Brothers and sisters, yep, it sounds a little weird, but that is the truth of who you are to me.
0: I want to learn to speak from a place of identity and relationship better than what we do. I reckon we've let that go a little. I want to share with you something that I felt like the Lord spoke to me while I was preparing this message. That it's no accident that the institution of marriage has been preserved through generation after generation, and culture after culture around the globe. It gives a tangible, relatable metaphor for God's covenant with his people. And the devil hates covenant. It's a key reason why marriages and the institution of marriage has come under so much attack. He'd like to see it removed from our society altogether. And I have no doubt about that. But I really felt the conviction of the Lord as I was preparing this, that we, this idea of covenant and how covenant shows up in the earth is significant, and it
1: shows up through marriage. So what's the difference between the old and the new?
0: The best way I could describe it was that God's why remains the same, but his how changes. So God's desire to have relationship with his people. That's the big picture from start to end. That verse in Exodus is talking about hearing God's voice and being obedient, and the same in John 14. But it's the how that changes. And so in the New Covenant, Jesus becomes the once-for-all-time sacrifice. We become the priests. The priestly system is done away with that Moses set up with. And then the Holy Spirit is given to empower us. And so the role of the Holy Spirit in all of this was that he was given to us not only so that we'd know what to do, but how to live in covenant relationship with God, but also that we'd have the power and the strength to do it. Yeah? I don't know about you, but I don't want to think about what it would be like to live a day without the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine it? Moment by moment, just not having his presence, not having his voice, not
1: having his conviction. It'd be a whole different world. In fact, if you ever wondered what it would be like to live under the old covenant, man, I'm grateful I was born when I was. His role can't be downplayed. Jesus
0: did anything but downplay the role of the Holy Spirit. He elevated the role of the Holy Spirit. John 167 to 15. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you will see me no longer. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, like, it's better that I go. Man, that must have been a tough pill to swallow. Can you imagine it? The man that they've been with for the last three years, and he's like, no, no, it's better that I go. And they're like, is there anything better than this, better than you being with us? But one Jesus in the room with that many people. And the idea of Jesus going to heaven and the spirit being released over all mankind. Hindsight tells us, It's no surprise Jesus was right, but it's extraordinary the the change that happens and then the role of the Holy Spirit in that. I love this verse in Galatians 5.25 where Paul says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's the kind of life I want to live. Moment by moment in step with the Spirit, aware of what he's doing and able to step right in sync with him, just like
1: a marching band, in time, in rhythm. And so what does it all mean for us now? We have a God with a heart for relationship for us, who has made way for us to have relationship with us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. But what about us together, collectively? God is huge on covenant relationships,
0: relationships marked by those four words, by humility, by sacrifice, by generosity and endurance. And then Jesus comes and he goes to the cross and he affirms all of that. His relationships are marked by those same things. And we are made in God's image. We have a longing inside of us for covenant relationships. We desire covenant relationships the way that he does, with him, in marriage, and with other believers, other covenant people. We understand that these relationships differently, and dare I say more fully, because of our understanding of who God is,
1: and what it means to love like he does. We're called to love one another the way that Jesus
0: did. Most of us will be familiar with a passage from John that says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my
1: disciples if you love one another. And so for me, this is... This is where the rubber hits the road, I guessed. I feel like
0: there's possibly some of you that this stuff is not entirely new. You've heard some of it, maybe most of it before. But it's so, so important for me. I spent the first 30 years of my life not knowing this part of who God is, not knowing that he wanted to have a relationship with me. I didn't know the God desperate to have relationship with his people, a God who related to us at such a heart level, and it's important because it changes
1: our relationship with him. You can't get close to somebody that you are scared of. I never knew that. I didn't understand the kindness of God.
0: You know, Scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the fear of God. That's important, don't get me wrong, in terms of fear and reverence. And there's so much to God and I don't want to ignore that there is a very strong, very powerful, dare I say, fierce side to God. But there is also this side to God. But you can't get close to someone that you're scared of and you can't get close to somebody who you think doesn't want to know you.
1: And that's the truth. The truth is that He loves us and he wants us to come close. And he wants us to know him and he wants to know us. He wants to have relationship with us. Covenant relationship is about humility, sacrifice, generosity and endurance. Laying aside pride and entitlement for the sake of the other person. Two things we struggle a lot with in the 21st century. I want to ask a really heartfelt question this morning. And I am in no way meaning to embarrass anyone. Um, But I want to ask, who in this house, who in this family has ever had to go to someone else in the family and apologise for something said, done. And I'm going to ask you to stand. Can I say that as a
0: leader in this house, I want to honour and celebrate you and celebrate that you put your pride aside and your entitlement aside and the covenant relationship in this house was important enough for you to make a move towards whoever that person was for whatever it was. It doesn't matter. But I love, I love that we are people of covenant that care
1: about each other and that are willing to sacrifice for one another. So Father, can I just, I just want to bless these guys. Lord,
0: I thank you for their obedience. I thank you for their heart for you. I thank you, God, that they know your heart for relationship and for other people for them to have made that step. And, Lord, would you just bless them, I ask in your mighty name.
1: Amen. For those of you that didn't stand, it's completely cool.
0: What I want you to know is these are the people you are surrounded by. How cool is that? To be surrounded by people that value relationship, that are willing to sacrifice, that are willing to put pride aside and put relationship first to care and to love you enough because that's what covenant does. Covenant says that you are important and so important that even when we disagree, I'm not going to break relationship.
1: I'm going to mend it.
0: That's what covenant is about. And so it's super exciting to me. In fact, there's more of you than I thought there was, so I'm like I'm even more excited. For me, that is the heart of what I believe God wanted to share with you this morning, was his heart for relationship with us individually, but all the more for each other in community, that we redeem our identity as a covenant people, that we embrace that, embrace its language. I know it's a little bit old school. There's no modern equivalent. Can I tell you I believe that that, that's God's heart and design? There are some things that are preserved in Scripture as being sacred, and I really believe that covenant is one of them. It's part of why marriage is so sacred. It's not the whole deal, but it's significant because of the way that it shows up in the earth. The Holy Spirit, we cannot do it without him. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. He so knew what he was doing. We get the blessing of living an empowered life, able to live in covenant. Somebody that reminds us every time we step a little bit to the left or to the right, is there going, hang on, come back?
1: Extraordinary. And then we get to do it with a group of people. And to love a group of people the way that Jesus loved. And to show up in the world differently. By this will people know this one thing, how you love,
0: you'll be known as my disciples. Don't have to actually, you don't have to say anything, guys, to some degree. Like evangelists, don't stone me, but like, you know, one of my favourite quotes from St Francis Assisi is, preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. Actions speak louder than words. Loving each other speaks volumes. It's so important. And then having relationships where we're prepared to sacrifice for one another. Amazing. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you are the author of relationship. You are the author of covenant. You are the God that pursues us. You are the one that takes the first step towards us, God. It still remains so mind-blowing to me. But I thank you and I praise you that you are that kind of God. We thank you for the gift of Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that he was in your plan for us, that you knew that there was a better way to come and that we get to live in the blessing of that. And Lord, I thank you so much for every person that calls Catalyst home. Father, I thank you for every person that is a part of our covenant community here at Catalyst. And God, I just pray this morning, Father, that you would fill our hearts afresh with your love, God. Your love, that we might give it back to you first and foremost, but God, that we would pour your love out to those around us in this house. Those in the room and those not, God. We want to be a people that love the way that Jesus loved. We want to be a people that love from a place of sacrifice, from a place of enduring, of not giving up on one another. God, from a place of um, putting the needs of someone else first. Father, I just pray that you would help me. In fact, you've already given us the Holy Spirit to help us do that. And, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to release your love to us, that we would give it to others. Lord, that we would be quick to obey. I really pray, God, even over this coming week, as you bring thoughts and ideas to our minds on how we can love each other better, how we can be a covenant people, how we can do relationship better. Lord, that we would be obedient to what it is that you have to say to us. And, God, the whole like, whole thing is that you may be glorified. Father, that your people would show up in the earth and others would look and say there's something different about them and that your name would be glorified, that people would know that it's you that makes us different. All the way through Scripture, you have set your people apart
1: as a sign in the earth. And God, I pray that we would be that in the officer community. So Father, we just thank you for your word today. In your mighty and precious name, amen.